back, everybody, to the newest episode of thepenpodcast.com. I'm your host, Matthew Harms, founder of Pen for Hire, where we offer premier ghostwriting and author coaching services. Also, the creators of the Pen Podcast, where we sit with authors, writers, writing industry professionals, subject matter experts, and all around interesting people. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Mark Joseph, otherwise known as Gramps Jeffrey. How are you today, Mark? Great. Thanks for inviting me. It is my pleasure. You are the first, I want to say maybe one of the first out of like 300 guests who writes under a pen name who openly admits that. <laughs> well, I don't want to confuse everybody. So, uh, yeah, Gramps Jeffrey, my grandkids call me Gramps, and that's how come uh, I write under that pen name. Got it. Where did the Jeffrey part come in? It uh, happens to be my middle name. Uh, and the only reason I'm using it is because for years, my wife, always misspelled my name. It's spelled J-E-F-F-R-E-Y. She always spelled it the other way. And so I figured if I put it on a book, she'll learn how to spell my name. So that's why I am Gramps Jeffrey. Did it work? Yeah. Yeah, it really works now. I love it. I love those little success stories. Yeah. So let's dive in. So you're you're a children's book author, correct? Kind of. That's my latest book is I Don't Want to Turn Three. But when I was in the business world, my, my book that I wrote was The Secrets of Retailing, How to Beat Walmart. And so I've written a couple books and lots of articles. And, uh, you know, that's what I do right now. Knowing that you have such a diverse range of writing, I know I'm going to have a bunch of questions for you because I I write fiction. I, really, for my clients, I write nonfiction. And I've always wanted to get into the children's book aspect. But I can't draw to save my life. Even my stick figures are ugly. Well, what's interesting is this book that I wrote, all of these pictures are pictures that I took because it's a fairly true story. And I just sent it to someone who could draw. And she's the one that made it look like into cartoons. Um, but, you know, the reason the reason I wrote this book, uh, the, the children's book, is because, you know, living during the pandemic with COVID-19, you know, we're isolation, except for being able to be with your family. I was lucky enough. I had all my six grandkids with me for about six weeks. So I had a chance to really see what's happening, kind of look at what they do. You know, all six kids have completely different personalities. Uh, the one thing that they did have in common was a sense of curiosity. Okay? And that's what we're all about, the sense of curiosity. How excited they got when they did accomplish uh, something. Watching them grow year to year and to see how they interact with each other really is, is the basis for this book. You know, what goes through a toddler's mind? You know, the parents are just so desperate to understand. When does a toddler really understand the difference between me and, and us? You know, this book kind of explores how our family found out all of that together. You know, as a baby boomer myself, I was trying to understand how the world really has evolved since since I was three years old. You know, that's also kind of part of the story. You know, my, my parents didn't have cell phones. They didn't have the Internet. You know, they didn't have cable TV. They didn't have remotes. I was my dad's remote. He said, son, go change the channel. You know, that, that's, uh, you know, that's what it was when I was growing up. You know, my parents' definition of discipline is completely different than the parents of today. You know, has the day's world made for a better place for children to grow up in? You know, I'll let your listeners kind of answer that question. And you, you kind of weigh is how we were treated when we were kids versus how the kids are treated today. So it's a fairly, you know, it's a true story based on, what happened with my family. And so I'm just sharing it with the world. 
Love it. But I definitely want to get more into that because I, I can see that's where your passion is. But I was kind of trying to paint the backstory for people. What made you, when did you write that first book on the secrets of retailing and, and what was the reason behind it? I wrote my first book, The Secrets of Retailing, How to Beat Walmart, because back in the 2000s, you know, I started this company, which became the premier business-to-business -business site on the internet, where we sold in case quantity to small businesses all around the world, shipped in all 50 states around 40 foreign countries. Our customer base were the moms and the pops who survive and thrive against the chains. So we're building up this company online. And I was getting all these calls from these uh, customers, about 30 calls a week on how do you do this? What do you do that? So the book of uh, the, the book of the Secrets of Retailing is a step-by-step, 15 chapters, step-by-step -step guide on what do you do? How do you find your location? Where do you find your products? How do you hire people? How do you promote yourself both uh, uh, traditionally and online? And the 15th chapter is what do you do with your business? How do you exit your business? So that's what that book is all about is just how to build a small business and then what to do with it. I love it. And then did you write any more nonfiction or after that it was into the children's books? No, what happened was uh, Arianna Huffington had read my book. And so she asked me to contribute to the Huffington Post. So I've written over 100 articles for the Huffington Post on all kinds of subjects from small businesses. But really, my, my more passion is the nonprofit world, uh, education, homelessness, uh, you know, how to help people and things like that. So those are the kinds of articles that I wrote uh, in between the two books. Uh, and uh, currently, I also write articles uh, today because, as you well know, we have started a new website called babyboomer.org. And you're part of it. You're on our site. I'm looking I'm looking at you right now. You're a handsome face with all on our site with all these great podcasts that you do. You're part of our site. And the reason that we started babyboomer.org is myself and the three other baby boomers started it because, you know, the baby boomer generation is as a diverse a generation as anyone before it and anyone after it whether it's the vision in politics, as we can see today, just reading the news today's news, diversity of religion, you know, all the different ideas. You know, we've got all of that as a division. But the one thing that baby boomers have in common is a connected shared experience. And one of the reasons we have that as a generation is when we were growing up, you know, there's only three television stations. We all had landlines. So we all got the same information. You know, we all, not like today when you've got all the diversity of how to get information, but we all grew up with the same information. I mean, our generation was there for the Kennedy's assassination, Martin Luther, Luther King's assassination. We were there for the landing on the moon. You know, that's all these things we have in common. Birth control became widespread during the baby boomer generation. Vietnam happened. You know, we all had to live through that. We had riots in the streets back then. But the one thing that really brought us together was the music. Think about it, Elvis, the Beach Boys and the Beatles, and Three Dog Night, the Association, the Supremes, all of that music brought this generation together. The movies brought us together, whether it's Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, Jaws, or pretty much any of the Spielberg movies, you know, Animal House, Star Wars, The Godfather. We have all those shared experiences. So we built this site for babyboomer.org that not only talks about our shared experiences of the past, 
but all of the other resources that we need for what's going on currently, whether it's retirement or finance or travel, you know, or playing pickleball, you know, and then we have to all the things we have to deal with in the future with this technology. You know, I didn't get on the internet until I was 40 years old. So my knowledge of technology is a lot different than my kids. I can tell you that from first-hand experience. You know, all the health issues we have to go through, Alzheimer's, dementia, all that. We've got all that into one place for everyone to come and take a look and just to learn from all the information. So that is why we built babyboomer.org, and that's why we're glad you're part of it. I love that description, and I was going to ask a question, but I'm going to save that for a second. I wanted to point out something, at least from from what I see, is you spoke about connected and shared experiences, right, amongst the baby boomers. But I think one of the beautiful things, especially as writers, is being able to identify and convey those shared experiences that we as humans have across age groups, across religions across races we can all i think if we try hard enough or we get to know someone well enough find a mutual shared experience that we can grow from and learn from regardless of everything else i just mentioned yeah what's interesting is we originally built the site for baby boomers but what has happened is because of the the amount of information we have on the site, I mean, we've got over 60,000 pages of information. We've got over 400 contributors that, that, that help change the site every single day. The site changes every day because every day new information comes into it and the front page changes. So, but, you know, we, 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 we found that it's not just baby boomers who are coming. It's the baby boomer kids and the baby boomers grandkids trying to figure out this generation. Yeah, you know, the baby boomers, as you all know, were born between 1946 and 1964. So that's 18 years. That's, that's you know, two decades of this generation. And, you know, there, there's 76 million of baby boomers. So it's not only baby boomers that are coming to the site. It's those who want to kind of understand, you know, what are our priorities? What are we looking for? What are our concerns? You know, because there's a whole section, a fabulous section on dementia. So if anybody's got the parents, grandparents with dementia, it's great to come in for all kinds of information on what to do, because, uh, you know, that's one of the things we have to deal with. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com, created by Pen for Hire. Thanks to technology, authors are now able to reach their readers in new ways. Letting readers know who you really are, why you wrote the book, and that you welcome their questions and comments goes a long way to building a fan base. Outside of social media, podcasts, radio, television, newspaper, and magazine interviews reach millions of people every day. How can you get featured in more of these media channels? Working with a public relations specialist will open more doors than you ever thought possible. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get a free consultation today. Now back to the interview. Yeah, I mean, and just even thinking, you mentioned music and the movies. So many younger people today, I don't think really even draw the correlation to how much of our stuff today has been sampled from previous generations and, and repackaged. Um, and because of that, they overlook how much there is to learn and how many specific needs or how many specific things there are to talk about. You know, you mentioned the dementia 
but there's not just even that there's, you know, for me, my father's moving in with me in the next two weeks because he's finally hit that age where he's like, you know what? I, thankfully I've got a separate apartment in my basement. So it's not like he's moving into my house, but he's at that age, right? He was born in 46, not in need of assisted living or anything crazy, but he just doesn't want to be in that same apartment where he's been for the last 40 years when he has the option to come and be closer to his grandkids. Oh yeah. You know, and you think about it, uh, it's so important for us to be connected to our grandkids, this baby boomer generation. You know, the, the one thing that's one of the, another reason that we started the site is because there's just too many grandparents in our generation that don't care about their grandkids. You know, the 30%, that means one out of every three baby boomers just are not involved in the raising of the grandkids. I mean, they may show up at a birthday party or, you know, come to Christmas, but they're just not involved. And that is a, that's a tough number. So that's great that your grandfather is moving in. Your dad's moving in to be with his grandkids because, you know, there's all kinds of reasons that, that, that this has caused that we're not involved. You know, some of us say, hey, listen, I raised great kids. You know, they'll take care of raising their kids. I got to go play pickleball. You know, is, that's what a lot of the people say. But there's all kinds of reasons why we're not involved in raising these grandkids. I mean, we may not have liked the spouse you marry. So, you know, that automatically quickly creates all kinds of tension between the parent and the grandparent and not involved in there. You know, we may be giving your generation unsolicited advice on how to raise the kids, what to do with them. You know, we, we go beyond the, the boundaries of where we should be. You know, we may be undermining the authority of you in raising your kids. And so that causes tensions. So there's all kinds of reasons why we are, as a generation aren't involved and we need to be there. Because when you think about it, these kids, one to 10 years old, are going to be the smartest generation this country has ever raised. I mean, think as soon as they come out of the womb, they're on the Internet. They got their cell phones. You know, they're, they're, they're so far ahead of anything that we ever were. And it's up to our generation, the grandparents, to, to, to kind of round out what they're learning. Take them outside to play. Read a book. I mean, think about it. Where uh, your, your your passion is books, my passion is books. We need to be reading these kids' books. Get them off the uh, their cell phones and get them into books. You know, that's if, if grandparents can do one thing, that's one thing that we should be doing. Yeah, and you know, I think the baby boomer generation gets a bad rap for the whole "when I was your age" type of shtick, but at the same time. Technology has advanced more in the last 20 years than it did in the last, in the 200 prior, right? So that, that accelerated learning curve. My kids are learning his, I didn't know 20, 30 years ago, right? Just because it's changed so drastically and the, the ability to sit down and have a conversation of just because it, it wasn't like this when I was your age doesn't mean I'm too old, I'm too irrelevant because there are some baby boomers who use technology better than I do, but almost nobody uses them better than a child. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And going back to, you know, thinking about reading books to kids, because that's what you and I are into. I mean, think about the benefits, you know, you know, taking the, me as a grandfather as an example. You know, if you, you pull a book out and you read it to a kid, that gives you like just 20 minutes where it's just you and the kid. Okay. And that gives you a chance to bonding. 
You know, it gives you a chance to just spend some time away from the, what's going on in the real world. Sit there on the kids on your lap. Gives you a chance to really spend together time and bond with them. It, it, reading books to kids is, supports listening skills. Now, you and I both know that listening skills are the best things we have ever learned. I mean, you're a podcaster. You got to listen. You, you know, what I do, I have to listen. So if we can teach these kids to listen just for 20 minutes, because that's how long of a kids takes to read, you know, requiring to listen. That's a great skill that we can pass on to these kids. You know, reading books for kids creates cognitive and, and language development. I mean, you think about it, there's plenty of words in these books these kids don't know. So you get a chance to explain it. There's plenty of words I don't know. I got to go look up. So, you know, the, that's another reason why we should be be reading to these kids every single night. And, you know, and then obviously attention span, you know, two, three, four, five-year-olds, they bounce off the wall all day long. You know, get them on your lap for 20 minutes. You get a nice little concentration and self-discipline. So, uh, yeah, I love talking about books. That's the reason we should be sharing books with this youngest generation. All those kinds of things that just helps make them better than we ever were. Yeah, I think that listening piece is so underrated because in order to do anything in life, it all starts with listening, right? If someone were to ask me, what's one of the key talents you need to be a great writer? It's not the ability to string words together. It's the ability to listen to the person who you're writing for, right? And to understand what their message, to understand their experiences, and then to be able to turn that around accurately and compellingly to give it to others. Well, when you think about it, it's necessary for us to teach children how to think, not what to think. I think they're gonna learn what to think as they grow older, but we need to teach them how to think. And so going back to reading books, how does that teach them how to think? Well, you know, b- before you even sit down with a kid to read a book, you, you just wanna to say to them, what do you think is gonna happen in this book? That starts the thinking project. Then, you know, who are the characters in this book? I mean, what is the setting? Again, getting them to think. You know, does anything in this book seem familiar to you? Let them compare it to what their life is versus fantasy versus other things. And then, you know, after reading the book, just like you do, you should be doing a dinner time. And when you ask them, what was your favorite part of the day? You know, what was your favorite part of this book and why? So again, reading just helps bring everything together. It helps us to teach these kids how to think. Thank you for listening to the penpodcast.com produced by Pen for Hire. Social media isn't about simply posting links to your book multiple times on a day on every platform you can think of. It is a complex process that takes time and strategy, as well as content and purpose. Creating and managing social media campaigns can feel like a full-time job, especially if you don't already love doing it. Don't wait until your book is done to think about how to tell the world about it. Visit our website at www.penforhirenyc.com to get your free consultation today. And now back to the interview. I love that. So we've got, I don't want to turn three. How many other children's books do you currently have? In my house, I probably have a hundred. You know, in fact, my wife and I were just this weekend saying, well, you know, our kids are growing a little older. Should we get rid of these younger books? So, yeah, we'll keep them. You never know. So, you know, I think everybody's got lots and lots of books. And so we want them to read. I want them to read my book. But, of course, there's plenty of other great books around for them to read, too. Shame on me for not asking that, qu- that question specifically enough. How many other children's books have you authored? Oh, 
this is my first one. The next one I'm working on right now is I don't want to turn four. In fact, my granddaughter, who just turned 10, is one of the stars in this book. She came to me two weeks ago. She says, Graham, she says, you know, I got the title for our next book. And I said, what is it? She says, I don't want to turn 10. I said, wait, why don't you want to turn 10? She says, you know, I got to start thinking about going to college. I said, going to college, that's eight years away. Why are you even worried about that? She says, you know, and, and I got to start thinking about it. How am I going to drive a car? I said, driving a car, that's six years away. Why are you worried about that? But when it comes down to it, when you think about it, no matter what age we are, I don't want to turn 10. I don't want to turn 21. I don't want to turn 50. I don't want to turn 70. You know, there's all kinds of reasons for, you know, what we've learned in the past and the uncertainty of the future. So that's that's where my head's at right now. And I love that you've kind of set yourself up for an ongoing series of, you know, just you run out when you run out of numbers. <laughs> right, exactly. Man, that's that is a clever marketing hack right there, Mark. <laughs> Well, you know, the theme uh, the theme of my book is really at what age do we begin to take responsibility for actions? Is it three years old? Is it 13? Is it 23? You know, I know plenty of 63-year-olds that still don't take responsibility for their actions. You know, and so those, those are all kinds of themes that I think are really uh, relevant almost at every age. You're absolutely right. Where can people find the book? They can find it uh, on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or go to my site at gramsjeffrey.com or I don't want to turn three.com. Uh, but anywhere on the internet is a great place to buy it. Love it. Now for the, uh, for the production of the book, did you do it all yourself? Did you go with a publishing company? Oh, I went for the publishing company. I wrote the book. I, you know, I took the pictures and then like, for instance, that's a picture of my two grandsons who love to take baths. One of them always wears his goggles. So I took the picture and then the illustrator went ahead and turned it into a fun cartoon. So every page is like that. They're, they're actual pictures that I, that I took of the kids doing something because it's a true story. The book's a true story. And so it was easy to kind of uh, pull it all together. That's ingenious. Unfortunately, all the children's books that are in my head do not involve, well, might involve my kids in some way, shape, or form, but they also involve made up, you know, characters and things that I don't think I could take a picture of, you know, like dinosaurs <laughs> that play basketball. And but that is that is a very unique strategy. What what comes next? Are you are you actively writing? I don't want to turn four, or do you have another project that you're uh, that you're cooking around? Yeah, I'm working on that. And then obviously, babyboomer.org. Our goal is to become the one stop shop for where everybody can come and find information about our generation and to help educate everybody and to help our, our generation to, to, to kind of uh, communicate with each other. You know, currently we've got uh, 411 contributors on the site. We've got 67,000 pages of uh, information, you know, so we've got uh, books and podcasts and articles and blogs for everything. And again, because uh, it's new things every day, the site changes. So I urge uh, anyone who wants to come, come back every day, every couple of days, because there's new things of information that can be learned. And how many people do you have on your team helping with that? There's just the four of us. So it's the four baby boomers. Can you believe us baby boomers doing this that are, that are uh, building this? And so that's why I encourage everybody to come. And uh, we're always looking for contributors that would make sense for uh, our audience. 
wow, that, I mean, that sounds like more work than I want to undertake. Four of you running that is, wow, kudos to you. Well, you know, much like you have a passion for writing, we have a passion for making the site the best site for the baby boomer generation. I love it. So for everyone that's looking to get in touch with you, find out more, we've got babyboomer.org. We have I don't want to turn three.com. We have gramsjeffrey.com. That's correct. Or feel free to email me. It's gramsjeffrey at gmail.com. I'd love to continue this conversation with anybody. Fantastic. Yeah. For everyone listening, as you always know, my spiel as we come up close to time is support our guests, find out a little bit more. If you're, if you're intrigued by anything that you heard here, you know, at first I know I was kind of like, why would I be on babyboomer.org? I realized the, you know, just how well you guys have put that site together, the impact it could make. So I challenge anyone to reach out to Gramps or Mark, whichever you prefer to call them. Mark, do you have a preference when people reach out to you? Oh, no, either way. I, I answer by both names. As I always used to joke, and the people ask, do you prefer Matt or Matthew? I'm like, you can call me anything, just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> um, so back back to my end of podcast spiel, definitely head over to any of those three sites, reach out to Gramps at his email address. Any questions, you know, if you're shy, reach out to me at the show, Matt at penforhirenyc.com. I'm happy to point you in the right direction. And Mark, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here today. I feel like I learned a lot and definitely got some motivation on intergenerational relationships and maybe trying to kick the dust off some of my uh, children's book ideas. Great. I appreciate you inviting me. Thanks. My pleasure. Thank you. 